2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had been, received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together, friends. Father, it is a privilege and an honor to be in your presence, to hear your word, and to know that you have something to say to each of us, even this morning. And so, God, I praise you that you've brought each of us to this place, whether in person or online. I praise you, God, for those that are out uh, plowing the snow, those that have been making sure that places are salted and shoveled and uh, that the floors are not slippery and all the little things that go on behind the scenes that get us to this place. Would you bless those who have blessed us this morning? And God, would you meet us? Each of us has burdens that we see and do not see, but none of them are hidden from your eyes. And so would today be a day, Lord, of healing, of encouragement, and of joy. Our eyes are on you, Lord. Even though the mountains give way and fall into the heart of the sea, we will not fear, for you are with us. We praise your holy name, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So first of all, thank you for braving the elements, those of you who are here in person. Um, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing that we can gather together. And as I mentioned to our team before we got started this morning, remember this, friends. We gather because he is worthy. We worship because he's worthy. And so the blessing that he has for you today was worth the time, effort, and risk to be here in person. But for those of you who could not be here in person, we, we say hello, we miss you, we bless you. And we pray that God meets you even through the internet. Praise God, he can meet you through the internet, amen? Amen. amen. And so uh, let's, let's give some attention to what he has for us today. But first, this reality. This is the season of the year where everyone's talking about resolutions, right? And if anything, it means really two things. One, that the gyms are full but stomachs are empty, right? Let's be honest. Like, resolutions generally revolve around diets and exercise, right? So for the next several weeks, those of you who go to a local gym, it's going to be packed and everyone's going to be talking about their diet. But don't worry, that will end soon, right? But if there's one thing that you learn when you go to the gym, it's there's no pain, no gain, right? If you're in the gym, to put it positively, with pain comes gain. This is Liam. He's, he's maxing out his deadlift with 315 pounds, I think it is. So uh, that's, that's my boy right there, right? Um, but you can see the pain on his face, can't you? Right? Like, with, without pain, there is no gain, but with pain comes gain. We see that in the gym, but we also see that in relationships, like our brother shared last week, right? With pain comes growth. 
With pain comes maturity in relationships. We don't lean away from the pain. We lean into it and watch what God does even there. But it's not just with relationships. It's also with work or school. With pain comes things like promotion. This is Noah graduating from middle school. Look at how little he is. Uh, with, with our youth pastor, Tommy, right? And the beautiful thing is, is you put in the hard work and you move on or get promoted at work. You grow. The, 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 the concept's pretty simple, right? We see it all over the place. But where we see it more than any place is when it comes to Jesus. When Jesus is the one who says this, when you share in my suffering, so there, right there, in that place, you will also share in my comfort is the way he says it in our passage for this morning. But what he says to the, to the church in Rome is you will also share in my glory. Hold on to that for just a second. Let that soak in for just a second. Because there's much that God wants to unpack there for us and with us this morning. This morning we are starting a brand new sermon series through the book of 2 Corinthians, a letter to the church in Corinth that we're calling Unshakable. And I want to give you a big picture overview of how we got here, and then I want to give you a little background to the church in Corinth, and then we're going to dive in. So big picture, how God led us here. I want you to remember that two years ago we were in the book of Luke for a year, and we're talking all about how to follow this crazy guy, Jesus, who happens to be the Son of God. But the point of the gospel was not that he is doing what only God can do, but he's showing us what God in us can do, the Holy Spirit-filled human being, the Savior of the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And so we leaned in there. But then we also, the next year, we went to the book of Acts and we said, okay, what does it look like for us to be a Holy Spirit-filled church? If Jesus came to show us and to win for us this Holy Spirit, how do we begin to think about that as a community together? And then just this, this previous sermon series through the book of Joshua, how do we learn to fight for the things that God says are already ours because of what Jesus has done? How do we begin to live like this is actually true for us and in us? And now 2 Corinthians is all about this reality. How do we get rooted in the Spirit so that, please don't miss this, when the rest of the world seems to be shaking up and falling down, we stand on solid ground. Friends, this is where we're going this season together. And I want to give you a little bit of a picture, background, for what Corinthians is all about. You can remember from our time in the book of Acts, we talked about the city of Corinth, this ancient city that was a major trading port, right, in the ancient world. But one of the things that they were most known for was their temple to Aphrodite, it was there that the nations gathered so that they can participate in the love cult. She is the love goddess, but she's really the lust goddess. And men and women threw their bodies away in order to worship Aphrodite. In fact, there was a word in the ancient world called Corinthians, which meant when you started to enter into debauchery, when you did something that was especially dirty, they called you a son or daughter of Corinth. That tells you how bad that city was, right? So this is the city into which Paul walks, and he finds Priscilla and Aquila, this, this wife and husband that are there already standing for Christ, sharing Christ, and together they plant this church called Corinth. We find that in Corinth they, they have many gifts. They're full of the Spirit in a lot of ways, but they are divided and syncretistic. What does syncretistic mean? It means that they're taking from the culture around them, both Aphrodite, but also other cultures in terms of their ancient Jewish heritage, those that are the Jews that are living there, and they're trying to mush it all together. We're going to take a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of my Jewish heritage maybe or a little bit of my Greek heritage and I'll put it all together and make something that feels really comfortable for me. But when you're the one that's grabbing from all these different cultures and traditions, who's the person that's in the center of your life? Me. Who's the person that's in charge of truth? Me. And therefore, who's your God? Me. There's a reason why God says from the beginning, 
have nothing to do with the cultures and religions, the teachings of those cultures and religions. I want you to be pure and holy. I want you to follow me and only me and no one and nothing else. It wasn't because God was egotistical. It was because God is God and there is no other. And for him to say, go ahead and play around with these other gods that are no gods at all would be the most unloving thing he could possibly do. And he knows our hearts and he knows our temptations. So he wants us to be for him wholeheartedly. Now, the first letter to the church in Corinth is not an easy letter. If you've ever read 1 Corinthians, it is a tough letter. Why? Because of all the things we just talked about. So he goes into all of these different areas of division and, and perversion and, and giftedness and pride and all these things. And he dives right in. And he says, this is not right. Let me show you the way. That's 1 Corinthians. But 2 Corinthians, written a year later, is Paul saying, after he's already talked about these things, I want to lay a foundation for you now. I want to lay a foundation for you about who we are in Christ and how we live that out in a very broken and dangerous world. To walk for Christ in ancient Corinth was a dangerous thing to do. People were going to actually come after you, not just physically, but yes, physically. But they were going to come after your business. They were going to come after your home. They were going to isolate you. They weren't going to allow you to continue to live the way you wanted to live. Why? Because they wanted to, to have the whole world worship the way that they were worshiping. Does that sound like anything or anyone to you these days? It's always been the way, friends. It's always been the way. So this letter to, to this church in Corinth is a church that's trying to find its way. And it's God through Paul saying, let me show you what that looks like. So it starts off with this as Paul's greeting, right? So we're diving into the actual text that Kristen read for us now. Uh, verses 1 through 2 are Paul's greeting. It's really verses 1 through 3, right? Paul's greeting. He first, first he says, Paul, an apostle. I want you to realize that apostle means sent one. So anyone who's sent on behalf of another is technically an apostle, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's not using it generically. He's using it in terms of the office. He's saying there's something unique about me because part of the background here was the church in Corinth was calling into question whether or not he was actually an apostle, someone who was sent by Jesus. Why? Because all the other apostles, do you remember the standard by which they were judged? It was whether or not they walked with Jesus. And guess what? Paul never walked with Jesus. He wasn't an eyewitness to the accounts. He, he wasn't one of the 12. But don't miss what God does here. He has 12 apostles. Why? Because there's 12 tribes in Israel. 12 and 12. One apostle to every tribe. And then he calls Paul in a weird way on his road to Damascus as he's going to go and persecute Christians. As he's completely against Jesus, Jesus gets in his way. Tell me if this sounds like your story a little. Jesus gets in his way and knocks him on his keister and says, you're going to be for me now because I'm for you and I'm getting in the way of your destruction. That, friends, is our Jesus. And so just like he has one apostle for every tribe, he now has one apostle for the Gentiles. And friends, most of us in here are in that number, Gentiles. There are some of you who are by birth Jewish in your heritage. You'd be one of the 12. The rest of us, Gentiles. Thank God for Paul, the Jew sent to the Gentiles to tell us about our Jesus. Hallelujah. And it wasn't just Paul. It says Paul with Timothy. Who's Timothy but his son in the faith? His son in the faith who, lest we forget, during his second missionary journey, he met in Lystra. Do you remember what happened in his first missionary journey in Lystra? He got stoned. Tuck that in your back pocket because we're going to come back to it. But don't miss these little details. It's so easy for us when we read the word to just jump over these little details as if they don't matter. Every word matters. Every word matters. And we're not always going to lean so deeply into every verse, but these verses, these first two and three verses of this letter are so packed, we could just preach on them for months. 
We could preach on them at least for today and then end there, but we're not because we're doing the 11 verses we read, so get over it, right? Like, no, but here's the reality. They are packed indeed because verse 2, he's, he's summarizing essentially the entire Old Testament in two words. It's, his, it's the greeting he sends to every church when he writes a, writes a letter, grace and peace to you, grace and peace. The way you say that in Hebrew is chesed and shalom. Chesed is God's covenant faithfulness. When, when God says to Abraham, no matter what you do, I will always be for you and I will come after you and I will take your mess and bring life out of it. Chesed, grace, and peace. That life that's broken to pieces, I'm gonna take each one of them and tie them back together. That's shalom, wholeness. Grace and peace to you. Who in here would like some grace and some peace today? Who in here wants to know a God that doesn't give us what we deserve? Who's really good at tying things back together, especially the lives that we think we've messed up so much that they're never going to be put back together. Grace and peace to you from the very beginning of this letter. Hallelujah. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of three things, Jesus, mercies, and comfort. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From the beginning, Paul is declaring this, Jesus is the Son of God. He's declaring his divinity because it matters, friends. Some of us in here, some of us online, do not know Jesus in this way. And I want to encourage you again, freshly today, to open your heart to this reality. Because only in Jesus do you find a God who put on your skin. You know that song we sang before, I'm trading my sorrows? Who are you trading them with? I'm trading my pain? Who are you giving it to? Because only in Jesus do we find the God of the universe saying, I'll take them. Trade with me. Jesus is the Son of God. The God of all mercies, another way to tra translate that is compassion, which literally means with suffering. He comes alongside of us in our suffering. Nothing you're experiencing in your life is beyond not just him knowing, but him knowing, feeling, experiencing. He comes alongside of us. Compassion, but also Comfort, which is paraclesis, which means he comes with help. So he doesn't just come to feel with us. He comes to help us. And that word is the word from which we get parakaleo, which is the name given to the Holy Spirit in John 14. When Jesus says this, the craziest thing you'll ever read in the Bible. You ready? It's better that I leave you. For Jesus to say this to his people, he's walking with his disciples. They're at the Last Supper. He, they think the Messiah has come, and they're right, and he says, it's better that I leave you. What? That sentence makes no sense until he gives the second part of it. So that the parakaleo, the comforter, can come. Friends, the point that Jesus is making is very simple and clear but it is profound. He did not come simply to defeat death and sin for us. He came to bring us back into the one relationship we lost, first and foremost, the one with him. So when he gives us his Holy Spirit, he's welcoming us back into communion with him, into the love we were made to know, into the power we were made to walk in and through, that's what it means that he says, it's better that I go because suddenly the temple of the living God is not going to be over there or over here, over there. It's going to be right in here. And you're going to get to know me like never before. It's one thing for Jesus to be beside me. It's another thing for Jesus to live inside me. Amen. Where can I go to flee from your presence? The answer is nowhere. Nowhere. And so you see from the beginning a very Trinitarian and a very costly picture being painted of the gospel. In three verses, here's the gospel. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all in cahoots together from the beginning. 
for you. All because they love you. All because he wants us to be back in relationship with him. And all so that we can see, friend, please don't miss this, that he gets us. Some of you are wrestling to believe that this morning. And if that's you, I want you to please keep listening. There's a reason why we're going over the first 11 verses. I want you to see, or Paul wants us to see, God wants us to see that Jesus is our comfort. He comforts us in all of our afflictions. Please see that the the church in Corinth is a church that is suffering. As we've already talked about, there's lots of reasons for that, and more of those will be unpacked as we unpack the rest of this letter. But from the beginning, Paul's saying, I see you. I know you're suffering, and I want to speak directly to that in the midst of a broken world, a broken culture, and broken lives that God is actively comforting, and he gives us, he lets the cat out of the bag from the beginning. He says, I don't want to just comfort you. I want to give you something that you can give away. Friends, we miss this oftentimes in church because we say this. We come in, we're like, I need to have an experience of God. I need to feel better. I want to be able to worship. I need my suffering to be taken away. I need some healing, and all of that's fine and good. It's all fine and good because those are all true statements. But if you stop there, you've missed the other half. God is healing us on the inside because he wants to send us to help others in our life and in our world receive that very same comfort. Did you hear when Kristen read it? It was a very awkward sentence. God comforts us in our afflictions so that we can share with others who need comfort, the very same comfort that we ourselves have been comforted by. That's a lot of comfort, right? Yes, because he wants us to not miss the point. Guys, can I say it again? You've heard me say it a thousand times here. This world, your life, is not about you. You are not the star of the show. You're not the primary actor. And that is the best news you could possibly hear this morning. Because if you were the primary actor, just be honest for a second. Like, this is not a movie that ends well. Right? It's not a movie that puts you in a good light. If you're just honest, all of us, when we look at the way we have acted, it doesn't end well. But friends, that's why it's called good news. Because it's always been about Jesus. From the beginning, he made us so that we can know him. And he came to put on our skin so we can know him. And he died on the cross so we can know him. And he's leading us now through his Holy Spirit. Why? So we can know him and make him known. That's the good news of the gospel so that we can share it. He comforts us in our affliction. But he also leads us. Please don't miss this. He leads us, meaning he's the one who suffers first. See, there's a lie out there that says this. If I have pain and suffering in my life, God must not be either real or good or for me. One of those three, right? He's not real, he's not good, or he's not for me. I've somehow fallen outside of that scope, or everyone has fallen outside of that scope, or there is no real God out there to begin with. Why? Because there's pain and suffering in the world. And what do you do with the problem of pain and suffering? As if somehow God doesn't speak to it on every page of the Bible. That is such a straw man, but we believe it because we're mad because there's pain and suffering. But make no mistake about it. God spoke to it and speaks to it, and it's right in our passage He has told us this world is full of suffering because it's broken. Have you ever heard someone say this? Well, if there was a good God, why did he make this person that broken way? You fill in the blank, whatever that broken way is. Or if there's a good God, why did he let this broken thing happen to that person? Have you ever, have, have those words even come out of your own mouth? I've struggled with them too. But please don't miss God's answer. It's real, it's honest. And it is sufficient. The only reason why you and I yearn for a better world is because of either A, we're all nuts because that world doesn't exist right now. So we're nuts. We're we're yearning for something that doesn't exist. Or B, we were made for a better world, one that he created 
and wrote onto our hearts that we are desperate for and that Jesus came to make a reality again. How many here for option A? How about for option B? Come on, come on. Listen, this is audience participation always, right? Here's the reality, friends. We need to declare what we believe. We need to say it out loud. We need to sing it out loud. We need to live it out loud. We need to believe with our actions, with our voices, with our hearts, because there's going to be plenty of times when in our souls we don't want to believe. And we need to hear from one another about who Jesus is and how all of our suffering, please hear this, all of it has been experienced by him first. So you want to know the other part of the answer to the problem of suffering? Ours is the God who suffers the most. So that even suffering has an end date. Even suffering is going to be cast into the lake of fire to never again exist. That, friends, is great news. Our God, it's his suffering that he welcomes us into first and foremost, he does not stand far off. He comes alongside and he pulls us into a picture that's bigger than ourselves. Part of the lie of pain is I have to stay focused on me. The truth of redemption is when I lift my eyes up to him, everything changes. Now, if we're honest, friends, there are some of you here who have already stopped listening. Some of you online who are tempted to click off because you've heard this story before and quite honestly, this is making you mad. Maybe even a little frustrated right now because you're in such a dark place. You don't know how to get out of it. You think no one sees you and you think that this message of good news that we call the gospel is shallow and petty and it's because your pain runs so deep. And if that's you, if I'm speaking to you right now, please hear me say, I'm so sorry you're in that place. I've been there more times than I can count. And I'm sorry you're there. But I want you to hear this. God sees you. And he has anticipated your pushback this morning. Because in case you missed it, Paul pauses from his doxology about who God is and how he comforts and how he loves us to share his story. I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers and sisters, about the affliction that I experienced in Asia. What affliction is he talking about? Oh, please realize, when he says Asia, he's talking about Ephesus. And when he went to Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, there was first spiritual victory. He went in and there were these sons of the high priest, the sons of Sceva, who were trying to cast out a demon from this one dude who was severely demon oppressed. And it says that they were trying to cast him out in the Jesus that Paul declares. Do you remember that? And what happened with the demons? The demons were like, we know Jesus and we're familiar with Paul, but who the beep are you, right? And then they went and beat the seven sons of Sceva up so badly that they ran away bruised, bleeding, and naked. And word of that spread all over the region, so much so that people who had hidden books of witchcraft, millions of dollars worth of books, came and they burned them all up. Talk about a spiritual victory. Talk about a mountaintop. But you know what the, the enemy loves to do? when we have mountaintop experiences, when we have big victories for Jesus in our lives and through our lives, he loves to come the very next day and punch us right in the stomach. Which is precisely what he did with Paul. When all of a sudden, Demetrius, the silversmith, starts to rally the city, he just happens to be the one who makes idols, one of the ones who makes idols for their patron goddess, Artemis. He says, oh, we need to come defend Artemis' honor. She's being defamed. And oh, by the way, we're also losing a lot of money, so therefore we need to actually do something about this Jesus. 
Otherwise, we're all going to be run out of town and run out of business. And so he rallies the people and they create a mob, a mob that has one intention, to silence Paul any way possible. Mountaintop to valley in days, in days. And I want you to realize what a trigger this undoubtedly was for Paul. We don't think about it like this in these terms because Paul walks around with the halo on, right? And the music, ah, ah. Like Paul doesn't actually experience the things that we experience. Wrong, wrong. Paul was a man filled with the spirit, called by God to be an apostle, but don't miss the first thing I just said, a man who was literally stoned so badly that they left him on the ground because they thought he was dead. You don't think that messed with him? You don't think he has post-traumatic stress disorder? You don't think the next time a mob was gathered to try to take him out, that he wasn't triggered? What does Paul say himself? We were burdened beyond strength. We despaired of life. We thought we were given a sentence of death. We have a phrase for that today, friends. It's called suicidal ideations. When I despair of life, I feel like God and everyone's against me, and I just long for death. And there are some in here who know exactly what that feels like right now. And there are some of you online that know exactly what that feels like right now. And I want you to see that God sees you. He knows your pain. And even greats like Paul have walked through this darkness. And so if you are in despair, you are not alone. He wants to help and we want to help. And so cry out, reach out. Let us know how we can come around you and we will. But know this, even in our passage for this morning, there's good news for you. Because your darkest moments, Paul says, are a weapon of redemption. Because what does he say in our passage? That even in those darkest of moments, God is at work setting us free because to the degree that we still think we can do it, we have to do it, we have to fix it ourselves, we are still stuck and trapped. But when God allows things to get so bad that they, it feels like God is pounding us into the ground and, and crushing us into little dust, it's right there that God says, I am letting that happen to you because I want you to come to the end of yourself. Listen, when we are stuck in self-pity and self-loathing, that is a pride issue, friends. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. There are some of us in here who struggle with chemical imbalance and who need medicine for that in the same way that some of us need medicine for antacid and for heart disease and other things. And there's no shame there. But others of us who do not struggle with that chemical imbalance still find ourselves in this place of being so overwhelmed with life, so heavy with the burden of sorrow, we don't know what to do with it. And I want to tell you that your first step, friends, please don't miss this, is repentance. It is repentance for hanging on to self-protection. Hanging on and saying, I just, I don't want to die like that. I don't want to be exposed like that. I don't want that shame. I've got to fix it myself. That's a trap. It's a trap. It's meant to keep you stuck. It's a trap. Please hear me. It is a trap. And God wants to set you free today. And the way you do that, the first step is repentance. 
God, I've been trying my own way. I've been trying to protect me. I've been angry with you. I've been angry with the world because I won't die. And Jesus is the one who says, until and unless you enter into my sufferings and die with me, you will never live. But when, when you choose to enter into my sufferings, when you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God at just the right time, he will lift us up. Unless you die, you will only stay stuck in the trap meant to kill you. But if you die to yourself, you will begin to know the freedom of what it means to live for Christ. And I love the very next thing that he says. Because the, the threat here, the fear here is, what if someone does the unthinkable? What if someone would have murdered Paul or if in his despair, Paul would have taken his own life? And God wants you to know that he's, he sees that fear there too and he speaks directly to it. We have a God who what? Raises the dead. Say that with me. He raises the dead. Even death has already lost. Death, despair, darkness, they've all lost. They've lost. You are set free in Christ. He raises the dead. And so now choose, instead of holding on to self-loathing or God-loathing or self-pity or all the things that pride wants to drive us to, choose instead to humble yourself and watch as God meets you there and lifts you up. He raises the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, this is why this entire sermon series and this entire book is rooted in verse 10 unshakable hope. Paul says, this is why we have unshakable hope for you. Because we've seen God do it. I've seen God do it, Paul says. In the worst of circumstances, they left me for dead, then I wanted to die, and in both cases, God said, here I am. Paul, you're not alone. Paul, I'm going to allow these things to drive you to me. And as you say yes to me, I will meet you there and I will lift you up. And the last I checked, every one of us in this room knows the Apostle Paul by name. Because God exalted him through Paul humbling himself. He has done it in Jesus. He has done it in Paul. He has done it in me. He has done it in so many of you. And we get to share that with one another especially those who are struggling so much right now to believe it for themselves. This changes everything, friends. Because Jesus suffered for our salvation and was comforted for our comfort, now we, in our sufferings, can enter in and welcome others. Do you see that math right there? When I enter into your suffering, I'm actually welcoming you into mine. And where my suffering is tied to the bigger picture of Christ, I am now a vehicle through which you can begin to understand my story, my suffering helps you to know him. What an honor, what a privilege, what power. And as we share the comfort that we ourselves have received, others can also know the God who comes with suffering with help, compassion, comfort for you and for me. What does this look like, friends? Well, I hope you've been doing some of that math already in your hearts. But I want you to know that what we did last week when we had a whole bunch of people come up here and share their testimonies, that's what this looks like. That's one very concrete way that we get to proclaim to the darkness that's always creeping, that always wants us to feel the despair and the sorrow and the weight. Not today, Satan, because we have seen and tasted and delighted in the truth of our God who has already entered into this broken world and the last I checked isn't on the cross 
or in the tomb anymore. He won and he reigns. And I heard it from so many voices last week. So many different angles. So many different details. But so much glory. Those of you who shared, thank you. Because your stories touched more people than you know. And they continue to touch those people. Those of you who are thinking, I need to share next time, thank you. You do need to share next time. God wants to hear from you. And we need to hear from you. As we have received his comfort, we get to share it with one another. But what's the other thing he says at the end of our passage? Please pray for us. I love that. Please pray for us. Your prayer is our help. Why? Because it's really hard. I love that Paul is so honest about this. He doesn't say, just do these things and everything will be great, right? It's what it feels like sometimes when we, th- when we say things like, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? We say those things, but sometimes what we mean is, I'll say whatever you want, but what I really believe is, he doesn't exist, he isn't good, or he's just not good for me. When the truth is, beloved, God is good all the time. Even when, hear this, he sent his only unmade son, Jesus, to the cross to die an unjust death. He deserved none of that pain or suffering. But he willingly chose to go there so that through his suffering, all of us who put our faith in him might not just be saved, but did you hear it today? Comforted. Comforted. So that we might have power to live in this broken world. He gets us. And in case you missed it, the only way for us to live this out together is together. The only way to share the comfort that you've received is to actually have someone to share it with, right? So the first step is put your faith in Jesus. And if you're hearing this for the first time today and God has spoken to your heart and you've never prayed that prayer, you've never said, Jesus, I am done fighting for myself. I want you and I need you to fight for me. He never says no to that prayer. When you say, please come be my Lord and my Savior, I give you my life, even if you don't know exactly what that means, he never says no to that prayer. He delights to meet you and we want to meet and help you. So if you're praying that prayer this morning, hallelujah, we want to know so that we can come alongside of you. But as you pray that prayer, please know that what he's calling us into is actually community. This is how we do community at All Souls. You heard a bunch of it this morning. We have disciple groups. You have men's and women's ministries. We have Soul Youth, which is teens, All Souls kids, our ministry teams, both Sunday and missions and prayer, and all these different teams, our special events teams, right? Like we have all these places where you can step into community where, please don't miss what I just said, not if, where is God calling you to step into deeper community with him? and with his people today. Where? Because at the end of the day, you could join one of these things and still go like this with your heart, and you've missed the point. The point is, how do you begin to open up and give God permission to pull the layers of that onion back so that he can heal what's actually hurting down here? Paul starts this letter with the deepest kind of pain because... If God can meet us there, where else could he not possibly meet us? It's like the psalmist says in Psalm 139, where can I go to flee from your spirit? Even if I make my bed in Sheol, in hell, even there you will find me. That, friends, is our beloved God. And it's why he calls us to walk in this life in a new way an unshakable way, a way that says, if God 
would not spare his own son or did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? Walk through this life in a different way, an unshakable way, so that when the world around us is shaking to pieces and the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea, we can know this truth, that there's a river, a stream, that makes glad the city of God. There is a presence and a place that God says is Him where we can find sure footing, rest for our souls, and healing even for our bodies. That's who our God is. And when we taste and see from that God, we have no option but to share it because it's an overflowing meal. It just can't stay inside of us. It has to come out. Beloved, this is where God is bringing us. It's where he's brought us. It's where we're going. Learning to live life together in the spirit, in the middle of a world that is falling apart. And yet doing so with unshakable Let's keep walking together, friends. He is good all the time. And he loves you. Let's pray. Jesus, it is a beautiful thing to fix our eyes on you. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before you, endured death, the cross, the curse, the judgment, the shame, all of it, all the way down to hell. You know that feeling. You've experienced that reality more than any of us ever will. And you did it with joy. Why? Because you knew that in so doing, you would become our place of life and comfort. We honor you. We praise your holy name. We bless you. There is no God like you. There is no friend like you. There is no lover like you. There is no savior like you. We bless you. And I praise you that you are the God who pursues us, who even now says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone would open up, I will come in and have fellowship. You don't say, I'll come in and shame you. I'll come in and and hurt you. I'll I'll come in and, and point out all the things that are broken about you. I'll come in and we'll have fellowship with you and my love will change you. And I pray, Lord, for everyone in this place and online who, Lord, have been touched by your love today, who need to know that there is a God that even sees through the darkness, for even the darkness is as light to you. Would you go? Would you send your Holy Spirit and pursue, Lord, another lost sheep today? Would you bring, Lord, those who are stuck in the pit of despair, would you bring them home? Would you set them free? And for those of us, Lord, who maybe at this point in our lives are not stuck in that very pit, but in others, fear, shame, whatever it is, Lord, sorrow. Would you meet each of us this morning with a fresh revelation of your love and of your care? Jesus, thank you that we can bring all of our sorrows, all of our pain, all of our ache and do in a a completely unfair trade. You take all of that and you give us your love, your healing, and your grace. Amazing love, how can it be? Amazing grace, how can it be? We praise you, Jesus. We pray that this would be a season in each of our lives where our hearts are more open to that than ever before.
more open to you than ever before. And where we, Lord, are living as those who are sent more than ever before to enter into the sufferings of those around us that you've called us to care for and to share, Lord, the comfort that you have so graciously shared with us. We praise you today and we give you all the glory in the matchless name of our Savior Jesus, we pray. Amen. Friends, this morning, we come to the table of the Lord. What timing our God has. For in this piece of matzah, we see the holes that represent his piercing. And in this piece of matzah, we see that it, there is no leaven which represents his sinlessness. But don't miss this, friends. In this piece of matzah, our Lord Jesus and the Last Supper, the Passover, took it and said, this is my body broken for you. Broken for you. Yes, for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, all of you. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord Jesus, his death and his coming again. Let's pray. Jesus, we rejoice over these elements that you've given us, Lord, to enter by faith into a deeper relationship with you by the power of your Holy Spirit. You have ordained that, Lord, as we walk forward by faith, you will nourish us here, not just our bellies, but our souls. And we believe that, and we say yes. Thank you for entering into our suffering and coming with help. Jesus, meet each of us freshly today and give us the strength we need to walk after you and die to ourselves. In your name we pray. Amen.